Hey, what's up, guys? And welcome to episode 19 of Talk 4, the quickfire podcast where we ask four great questions to unique and interesting people. Behind the mic today is your host, Louis Scoopian. That's me. And our special guest for today, Erica Olaf, who's going to be answering our questions today. Erica, please say hi, introduce yourself and give us a quick rundown of who you are and what you do before I shoot some questions. Sounds awesome. Thank you, Louis. It is a true pleasure to be here with you today. I love the format of what you do and um, it's a great privilege. So thanks for having me. To introduce myself, as you said, my name is Erica Olaf and um, short and sweet version of who I am would be a encourager of who people are and a developer of who they can be. I live day in and day out developing individuals and teams using strengths-based psychology to help them really unlock who they are and um, maximize the potential within them and um, really enjoy or have a passion for um, sharpening who people are individually and helping their teams be more well-rounded. That's a really interesting line of business. And I can imagine you've got loads of experience with, you know, business people and, you know, successful people and everything. And I'm sure that, you know, your experience is going to be fantastic, you know, for the listeners. So um, if you're ready to go, I'm going to jump into question number one, I think. Perfect. Let's go. Right. So for question one, tell me a bit about your backstory. How did you get into your line of work? What was the motivation and how did it lead to starting your current ventures? Yeah, such a great question Um, and fun to reflect on for me. I would say first and foremost, I think it's really important to understand that where I am today is a direct reflection of, uh, for one, overcoming pain and adversity Mm. and using that pain and adversity to lead me down a path where there was a intentional alignment of no's and yeses. So what I mean by that is in high school, I experienced adversity in sports with a a sports injury. And um, I had to really sharpen and refine my attitude in that season of life. And um, thankfully, it positioned me in a line of study in college that teed me up to um, really where I am today or or lining me to get where I am today. And um, that would be because I pursued a degree in athletic training. I decided not to do that uh, full time, but then transitioned into the medical device industry and um, learned so much as a sales representative in that industry. And um, first and foremost, I learned that sales is so much more about building relationships with people, understanding uh, what people need, what motivates them, um, how to relate to people than it is about the product you're selling, right? Than it is about the features and benefits, or more importantly, all of the features and benefits. And um, of course, that's really founded on building strong trust. And we all do that differently, but it has to be authentically. Mm. So that positioned me um, also in under leadership of people who led in a way they knew how, but it convicted me to have a stronger and deeper understanding that we can't lead people the same. 
Mm. And so through my own personal experience being led, I became a passionate leader of people in leading them in a way that they can perform that might look different from my performance. I see. Okay. Interesting. Um, one question that springs to mind, uh, what, what was the sport that you were playing and do you still do sports nowadays? I do. Yes. I love playing sports, not obviously professionally like you do, but <laughs> the sport that I tore my ACLs in was basketball. So oh, I played no. softball, basketball, volleyball, golf, still golf today. Um, you know, we'll shoot hoops when I have a chance. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't play a lot of volleyball, but anything, anything sports related, I'm all in. Nice. Absolutely. I know you have a son as well. Is he, is he enjoying the sports and stuff as well yet? Is he doing anything like that? He, thankfully he loves sports too. Brilliant. So I I didn't have to twist his arm at all. He (laughs) absolutely loves being engaged in those. He would do it all day long, but he, he does love school too. So I'm grateful for that. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a slightly easier life than than some people with that case. Um, So to ask about the business and some of the stuff about the business that you're doing. Um, What are some of the most common things you see in teams and leaders that causes dysfunction? And what is the route to recovery and improvement for them? Yeah, another great question, Louis. So with this, obviously, the problem that I solve is really what people approach me for, if that makes sense. Just like if you're going to a doctor, you're going to go to a doctor. If you have a bad heart, you're going to go to a heart doctor, right? If you yeah. have um, cancer, you're going to go to the cancer doctor. So same thing. So what I see are people problems. So what I mean by that is a lack of understanding among the leader and the people, which leads to a lack of cohesiveness. And I believe that stems from a, a lack or low self-awareness, maybe otherwise termed low EQ right? Mm -hmm. We don't really understand who we are. We don't understand that the people around us are different than who we are. Therefore, we have challenge regulating our emotions, our behaviors, or have a challenge expressing or communicating with other people, uh, which leads to challenges in overcoming conflict. People disengage from it, uh, which also can lead to, and I see this or hear this a lot, um, the meetings after the meetings, right? They might call that the water cooler conversations um, where everybody's in a meeting and instead of speaking up in the meeting, they leave the meeting and they go complain about, you know, what wasn't talked about at the meeting. And, and it, it just leads to more problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how do we solve this? I think one of the leading things that I get to come in to teams with is helping them understand that no two people think, feel, or f- behave the same. So Louis, the tool that I use is a Gallup strengths assessment tool. And through decades of research, Gallup has uh, concluded that the likelihood that two people think, feel, and behave the exact same way is essentially one in 290 undecillion. Wow. That's 36 zeros behind the 290. I haven't even heard of that number before. Oh my God. <laughs> right? I know. And so we wonder why there's so many working frustrations at work. Interesting. Right? It's, it's because we all see through a very unique lens. Mm. And so the second point to that is like, what my goal is, what my focus is, is helping teams to give the audience a visual and to give you a visual 
is we need to put down the gavel, right? right? Like a judge gavels to, to make a decision or um, to, to declare somebody guilty, right? Yeah. Or innocent, so to speak. So we need to put down the gavel. We need to stop beating ourselves up. We need to stop beating other people up. We need to stop complaining about something, you know, so-and-so did on the team. And we need to pick up the magnifying glass. Mm. The other way that I would say that is we need to stop telling people what to do and we need to start asking more questions. So more coaching, less telling. Yes, I like it. And I suppose that's why I think communication is so important for that, isn't it? And I like the point that you made about, you know, Mm -hmm. how everyone sees things through their own lens. And the point being really is that no one can know exactly how you feel. And you know, your points Mm -hmm. might seem completely different to someone else or the person that you're talking to or Mm -hmm. having an argument with and stuff. So yeah, you you do need to be vocal about, um, you know, communication and and with your team and stuff, don't you? I can imagine that's a very important role to play in it too. Yeah. One thing that I see a lot with teams is um, motivations are very different. So a lot of times we'll read books And, you know, the book will say people are motivated by these three things or these four things Mm. where, yeah, that gives us a general basis, but I think we're lying to ourselves if we don't acknowledge that as human beings, we, we are far more complex than four things, Mm. right? And so oftentimes they'll see leaders dangle something and it might motivate two or three people on the team, but they're missing 17 other people who aren't motivated by that. Sure. Right. And so we have to understand what truly motivates people, meaning we have to stop assuming and start asking questions. And the challenge with this Louie is it's hard, right? It's not an easy button. It takes time, right? It takes patience. It can Mm -hmm. feel very inefficient, right? A lot of times leaders just want to put a blanket challenge, right? A blanket reward out there. Sure. And in the long run, they lose a lot of people. Mm, that makes sense. Interesting answer. Um, right. So to move on to question number three, actually a bit more about kind of your experience and expertise and stuff. Um, I know that you do a lot of public speaking. So for my third question, um, with regards to public speaking, what are some of your top tips for getting better at nailing speeches and leaving lasting impressions? I can imagine you're very good at this. Oh, yeah, this is another great question. I'm going to kind of go a different direction in answering this one, because I think that if you would ask any seasoned speaker, um, they would give you kind of a concrete formula. And I know that there's Um, a lot of tips out there like that. I'm going to share a few tips that have helped me that might help other people, um, especially maybe people who who are entering the public speaking space uh, or still mastering the craft of it. One of the first things that that I suggest or recommend to people who are kind of newly entering that space is you have seven seconds to grab the attention of the audience. So you need to own your opening, like own it. Be very confident in how you're starting. For instance, oftentimes they'll go to, you know, a community event or something like that, where it's, it's a newer speaker entering the space and they always kick off with, you know, so-and-so invited me to speak here today and here's what they asked me to talk about. 
right? I challenge them to leave that out, right? That doesn't really matter. Like lead with your opening, strong, powerful positioning, power statement to grab the attention of the audience. Just own the beginning, Mm. right? Again, you have seven seconds to grab the attention of the audience. So own it, use that for good. The other thing that I think helped me a lot was leaning into your strengths, but being aware of your weaknesses, right? When you're entering the speaking space. Uh, And what I mean by that is, again, we all have a unique set of strengths. And so lean into what energizes you. It might look different than your favorite speaker who's refined their craft for 20 years. Right. But be aware of, of certain things that might pop up that trip you up. Okay. Right. Interesting. Um, so for instance, it could be like, um, the look on the faces of the audience, right? Like you just need to be aware. So you need to redirect and, and zero in on people who, uh, look engaged knowing that you're not going to make a huge splash for every single person in the audience. And I think as a young speaker, when I showed up on the stage, I wanted to change every single person in the room's life. And that's just not realistic, right? So we need to stop seeking validation from every single person in the room. That's a great point. That's a really, really good point, actually. I think you're right. So many speakers, they get lost in the the thought of, I'm going to make this perfect for everyone. And that's just not realistic, is it? I mean, the goal really should be to have, you know, a a small portion or just a few people, 10 people, 20 people or something, walk away from, you know, from that speech and have a life change. You know, you you just can't affect everyone, can you? No. And sometimes it's not even on you. It's how that person's entering the room. And so for people who are entering an audience, uh, I challenge them to turn their phone off, put it in their purse, you know, or their bag or their pocket or whatever, and just be engaged. I truly believe Louie, if an audience member chooses to, there is at least something you can receive from every single speaker you're at the foot of. Interesting. Brilliant. I truly believe that. I do. Yeah, I I totally agree with that hundred percent. And it's funny, isn't it? How stupid little thing like a mobile phone can really, you know, it can cost you an opportunity or like a bit of information that could potentially, you know, change your life or something. So yeah, no, good challenge. And um, I I certainly I'll be doing that as well. Um, So for question number four, um, how can you become a better leader and team leader when you're perhaps a shy or introverted person naturally who finds it hard to speak to people in the in the way sometimes that they need to, you know, maybe in a slightly harsher tone or, you know, just to be honest about the truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, another great question, Louis. Uh, There's a couple different answers I could give to this. The first one that I'll share with you is sometimes when you need to uh, give some feedback, so to speak, to someone on your team as a leader, and maybe it's challenging the leader a little bit to give that feedback, I often encourage people to ask for permission or just name it for what it is, right? So if I need to give you feedback, Louie, I might come to you and say, Louie, you know, as your leader, I want what's best for you, right? Mm. I care about you. I care about your future. I just want you to know what I'm about to share with you. I'm sharing with you because I care. Sure. Right. 
you, that you don't want them to take it as a reflection of who they are, but simply an area like a blind spot or something they might not be aware of. And if you want to say, like, if you saw this in me, I would hope you would be able to share the same, right? So sometimes we need to ask for permission or just um, call it for what it is before you get into it so that they're primed and prepped for it. Uh, When it comes to feedback, the other thing that I would say in terms of more of a uh, reserved leader is I believe leadership skills follow strong communication skills, which follow strong people skills. So oftentimes I think becoming a great leader starts with developing strong people skills. So we need to study that, right? Which leads to building strong communication skills, which then leads to being a strong leader, right? Because you have influence then. And so again, I'm going to go back to the point I made a little bit earlier about as leaders, we need to refine our ability to ask more and better questions right? Mm -hmm. Specific questions get specific answers. I see a lot of leaders and I was this leader early on too in in my leadership career who um, felt like I had to give the answer, right? Like I wasn't a great leader unless I could give them exactly the answer that they just asked. I see. Where what I see really great leaders doing is asking the question back. Okay. And getting the person who you're leading to think through the problem solving, right? Or what they need to do. Because again, coming back to the one in 290 on the million, how I did it might not be how you're going to do it. And if I tell you how to do it in a way that I did it, you might not be as successful, right? Your path might look different. Sure. So we have to ask more questions, right? We need to bounce the ball back, right? Just like in tennis, right? (laughs) Like you got to hit the ball back to them before they return it back to you. And I think that's what sets average from excellent leaders apart is they get really good at asking questions. And so in all reality, Louis, it's so much easier to lead people, Mm. right? When you don't have to have all the answers, you just have to ask the right questions. John Maxwell has a book, uh, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. Highly recommend that one. Okay. But oh, that I'll would be my answer, right? Just bounce the ball back. Ask the question, how do you think you should do it? Sure. And then when they say how they think they should do it, let them do it that way. Even if it ends up being a flop, they're going to learn more from it. Brilliant. Erica, thank you for that answer. That's really interesting. And actually what you were saying there made me think a little bit about some of the friendships I have with my be- some of my best friends, actually. Um, by habit nowadays, I, you know, once every few days or once every week or something, I tend to ask them and I try, I try to make them feel as comfortable with being brutally honest as, as they can be. So, you know, I might say to them, hey, you know, I just want, just want to ask if there's anything I could be doing better or if I'm doing anything that's kind of annoying to you or, you know, if I can improve at something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just obviously in friendships and stuff, but inviting people to kind of be honest in that way. And, you know, like you said, you know, giving them that invitation, uh, that's, you know, a really powerful thing in work and in personal stuff too. And I also think that in regards to that, for me in bad friendships and, you know, bad, you know, with bad people before, it's always tended to be lack of communication and lack of feedback, like you said, which has then led Mm -hmm. to, 
it's then led to misunderstanding, misinterpretation. And that for me and for other people, I'm sure ends in tension and it ends in, you know, mm -hmm. having bad thoughts. And yeah, you're totally right. So, uh, you know, I really resonate with that answer. hundred percent. You do have mm -hmm. to invite people sometimes, you know, for that feedback and you have to make people feel like they can be honest with you, even if it's not something that they think you might want to hear. So you need to, they need to know that mm -hmm. you're going to react in a, in a positive, constructive way, don't they? Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. And just acknowledge that, you know, it might be a tough conversation. We can't shy away from that. The other point really quick, Louie, that I think is really important for people to understand as in communication with people, people communicate very differently. Mm. And what I mean by that is some people think out loud and some people process thoughts internally, right? Mm. Yeah. And so, again, I think it's so important to be surrounded by people who are growing in their self-awareness of who they are and what they need to not just survive, but to thrive, right? Personally and professionally. Uh, for instance, you might be somebody who can pick up the phone, verbalize what's challenging you in your friendship or your work relationship, but the person on the other end might not be able to reciprocate right back. But if they're strong in understanding themselves and they're able to say, Louie, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I had no idea. Mm. Give me a day to process everything that you shared and I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then accepting of that, right? Some yeah. people are better externally communicating and getting something out there and it leads to more and better communication, but other people need time to think through things and processing. And it's, it's bridging the gap between the two of those and not apologizing, right? I've worked with several individuals who might have a strong leader who can pick up the phone, um, have, you know, engage in, in, you know, conflict, so to speak, but the employee who maybe avoids conflict feels like they need to be able to answer back right away and they give their worst. They need time to process. So we need to know. Absolutely. 100%. And accept. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. So that is our four questions done for today. And before we wrap it up, it is time for what I like to call, and everyone knows that's the shameless plug. Erica, feel free to take a minute and promote anything that you're working on want people to take a look at or just something that you believe in? Ooh, great question. Yeah, I, I'm on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Erica Olaf, Facebook, if, if people are there, uh, website, ericaolaf.com. Uh, really the thing that, that I would want to leave with, Louis, is just I believe in human potential. And I truly believe that individuals will elevate to the level that, the most significant person in their life believes that they can. And so with that, I think that it's encouraging for every listener to find that one person who believes in them. Brilliant. And to be that person for someone else. Love it. Brilliant. Erica, thank you so much for joining me today for the Talk 4 podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Hey, thanks for having me, Louie. I appreciate it. It's been fun. No problem at all. 
thank you guys for listening this has been episode 19 and if you'd like to listen to our past episodes go and have a look at our channel and if you'd like to listen in for our future ones please make sure to hit that subscribe button leave a like comment leave some thoughts and enjoy the other episodes and what's to come thank you guys for listening again signing off for now okay